0: which we also did last week. Sam uh, also mentioned, and I'll remind, I'll also mention that uh, it can be difficult to prepare for a single message. Kind of, God, what do you want me to say? I have one message. I have this short amount of time. What can I do? What do you want to build? What do you want to portray or to give to the people through this one message? And I wasn't sure. I had uh, ample time to think about it, and I kept going back and forth. But this week, God was really laid two things on my heart as I was praying. And one of them, and I believe this was the Holy Spirit, I, really, I believe that God really put, put both of these things on my heart, which confused me even more. Because one of them was this, this phrase that Jesus says, that out of you, streams of living water will flow. And I was like, man, that's a cool message. That's something to get excited about. But then the other thing God put on my heart was that we are the church and we need each other. We need each other in, our, in, in, in each other's lives. We need to support one another. And I was like, well, that's also a really good message. And I went back and forth. God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to focus on? And I landed with both. So we're going to look at both of these concepts today. And in the end, what I believe that God wants to say to us is that there is a connection between these two things. And maybe that's the very thing that God is trying to convey to us all today the connection between the outpouring the streams of water that were destined to flow out of us in our through our relationship with christ that jesus promised us and the important reminder that we are the church and we need each other today so the plan is to explore these two concepts and you kind of come with me on this journey and we'll see if there is any connection between the two and if so what that would be let's start off with streams of living water what are streams of living water what is that what is that talking about where do we see this well i think we first are going to think of jesus words he directly says that streams of living water will flow from you we're going to get to that but i don't want to start there I want to go back a little bit further, and if you don't know, this image of streams of living water is all throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament, the New Testament, we see it in, we'll look at Ezekiel today, but it's also in Zechariah, in Jeremiah, Psalms, it's in Revelation, this image of living water flowing. And so, we're going to look particularly at this, at Ezekiel, because I find that it's one that I, it's a little extraordinarily vivid compared to some of the others. A lot of them are a little more vague, and this one paints this whole image. It's, it depicts a, something that we can kind of create an image in our mind with. We can really visualize it, and it was actually just I just read it this week, and for me it got me excited about this idea of streams of water and what this can mean and how it can be defined. So here Ezekiel, this is a part of a, a big vision that he 's been given a prophecy, so he's uh, has like this uh, man that comes from God, most likely an angel it 's just called a man in the text, and he is guiding Ezekiel through these different places and showing him all kinds of things. But in this particular passage, we see him in Jerusalem, and we see water flowing out of the temple so we 're going to read verses one through twelve I want to paint the whole picture that the text paints. And as we read, I want you to try to envision this. Try to put this in your mind of what it looks like. So the man, again, this is the man that is showing Ezekiel around. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. But then, he then, sorry, he then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the other to the outer facing east. The, wow. The outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line, In his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits. That's just a distance. And led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great, a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Ereba. It's like a valley. Where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En to Engalium, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, their leaves for healing. So that's this whole image of water flowing out of the temple. And here it starts with this tiny trickle, this stream inside the temple. It went through the south of the temple past the place of sacrifice past the altar out through the doors of the temple through the gates of the city through the valley and ended at the dead sea and in the beginning it was barely anything it was barely a trickle like maybe someone had just spilled some water in the innermost parts of the temple but then what happened it began to grow it got deeper It got faster and stronger until it was this unstoppable, uncrossable river. It started as ankle-deep. Easy, anyone can wade through ankle-deep water. Knee-deep water, you got to be a little bit more secure. Up to your waist, you better be big if you're going to be walking through a water that high. And then it says at the end it was a river that could not be crossed. And in verse 8, it says, When it empties into the Dead Sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Now, the Dead Sea was far too salty for anything to live in it. It's not just a name. It's what it is. It is a dead sea. There's nothing in it that can live because of the salt content. But these transformative waters from the temple not only turn the sea to fresh water, but it, then, it is then filled, teeming with life. What was formerly dead and lifeless is now full of life. And in verse nine it said, where the river flows, everything will live. This is the embodiment of life in this image of living water. And I want us to grab that image As we go through the rest of what we're going to talk about today. And hold on to this vivid picture. Through this stream that started as a trickle. That came out of the temple. A mighty river was born. That transformed the land around it. Everything in its path was brought from death to life. What a powerful image for us to behold. Let's now tie this in. This image with Jesus. So what started this dream? Well, it was out of the temple that it began. It started there. And it started where the sacrifices were offered to God for the sins of the people. For hundreds of years, the people again and again offered sacrifices to cover the sins, but it didn't redeem them from their sins. So they sacrificed goats and bulls. But what does Hebrews 9 Hebrews nine verses 11 and 12, it says, "But when Christ, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. But he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Christ is the beginning of this. It is through Jesus Christ's sacrifice that this stream was loosed. And this was an image that was given to Ezekiel long before Christ. But here we see the fulfillment of it. It wasn't a sacrifice. It wasn't a goat or a bull that could redeem sin. It just covered it. Jesus came and did it once and for all because he did it with his own blood. And he let open this gate. He let open the flow of this water out into the world. And John 7, 37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Because it is only through Christ that we can enter into this place of being able to be quenched of our thirst. To be able to tap into these waters that have been released. It is only through Jesus Christ and in coming to Him that we can have access to living water. Then what does He say next in John 7, 38? Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The water begins at the source, at Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That was the beginning. What does He say to the Um, Pharisees about uh, the temple. He says, I will destroy this temple and rebuild it. He wasn't talking about the bricks, he was talking about himself. He's the beginning and his sacrifice is where this begins. And not just in his sacrifice, but in his resurrection. The Bible also tells us that at the time of Jesus' death on the cross, the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the commonplace for That the priest could go, but only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, was ripped in two. And this was the moment that this water, this living water was released. So we must believe on him as Lord and Savior in our lives first and foremost. As we sang today, we must seek him. We want to want him more. This is the beginning of that. And that's what we looked at last week that Sam talked about. It's only through connection to Jesus Christ that living water will flow from us. But I want you guys to note something in Jesus, what Jesus says. It's not a command. This is important for us to notice. Jesus doesn't say, come to me, believe in me, and then you better go and and like have water flowing out of you. You better go and do that. You better have living water flowing out of you if you belong to me. He doesn't say it as a suggestion. Well, for some, it will be some water will be flowing out. Others will choose something else in their lives. It's not a, a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a cause and effect. It's a promise. We are affected by the work of Jesus Christ within us when we come to Him, when we believe on Him as our Savior. We're affected by that. Then this causes an outpouring of, of living water from within us. It starts on the inside. It starts as a trickle. And I believe as we walk with the Lord, it grows. It starts as a trickle, but it's not, if you believe, you have it. If you believe, you will see this outpouring of living water. It's not something, and it's not something that we need to stockpile up fill our pockets with as much as we can fill our pail and hold on to it because it's coming from within us it's a spring that constantly flows what is this water well he goes on in verse 39 so John 7:39 by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So this paints it very simply. We are the later to receive party involved there. This applies to us today. What I really want us to latch on to is this. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you have by default also received. The Holy Spirit that dwells within you, and it is from there that this water begins to flow. First Corinthians 6:19 through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I see that as this image going back to Ezekiel. The work that began that water flowing in that temple is the same work that is within us as temples of the Holy Spirit. There is a flow of water within us. The Holy Spirit is like a stream that is constantly flowing, constantly filling. You cannot hold it back. You can't hold it back. If you've ever seen those natural springs when you go hiking in the mountains, ironically, a lot of them are actually dried up right now because there's not much rain. The Holy Spirit's water doesn't dry up. Just to make that analogy clear. But uh, you've seen them, right? You know, you can drink out of them and they have like these spouts usually that come out of the wall. Well, there was this time, and I'm just going to say it was only guys on this camping trip and these are the kinds of things that happen when a bunch of guys are on a camping trip together. So we had one of the, we were at a campsite and there was like a, a cabin and one of these springs so it had like a a faucet that came out of the wall and it's really nice you can wash you can drink have fresh water to drink and i don't know who came up with the idea but we thought we should hammer a stick in that and see what happens so we did we hammered a stick like deep into it and we're like oh nothing's really happening and then we kind of forgot about it and you can kind of maybe guess where this is going it was about an hour later we were just sitting by the fire and suddenly the stick just like shot out about 10-15 meters and then like water gushed out at like a high velocity for like the next half hour and just completely swamped the entire camp area (laughs) again these are the kinds of things that happen i don't know i'm pretty sure it wasn't my idea no further comment anyway this is what it is that's the image You can't hold it back. It's going to burst out because we're constantly being filled with this living water by the power of the Holy Spirit. It dwells within us. It's a well that flows from in us. And again, Jesus doesn't say maybe. He doesn't say you should do this. He says this will happen. The flow of the Spirit is real and unstoppable. Though it's not the same flow for everybody. We know that. We can see that in the world. Not everybody has the same well. Not everybody has the same portion of this. That's okay. And we don't have the same portion. We know this in our own lives. We don't have the same portion at all times in our lives. There are seasons where I feel like, man, God has just really opened up a gate and I just feel extra full and I have so much to give and it's so exciting. And then there are other times like, where is it at? I feel like, you know, it's coming out in a drop form. And there are different seasons that we go through, but I can tell you that it never dries up. It never ceases. That water continually comes in. And there are things that we can do in our lives to open that up, spending time with God, knowing Him better in His Word. But there are also times where it's just, there are seasons where that water flows powerfully and there are seasons where it doesn't. But it doesn't change who God is and it doesn't change that outpouring that comes from within us. The point is, what are you doing with all that water? What are you doing with it? All that's being flowed into you, rising up from within you, What are, are you pouring it out? Where are we pouring ourselves out? Now we can ask, well, what great difference can I really make? I feel like mine's, just, mine's like my eyedropper spring. It's like, doesn't, it feels like it's not a lot. What can I do? What, can I, what difference can I make? And I want to first say that we never want to underestimate what God can accomplish through one individual person by the power of the Holy Spirit. Being poured out into them, one individual person can make a massive impact. We see that all throughout history. Some single individuals that have been massively used and had large amounts of the power of God flowing through them. We don't want to diminish that, but that's not what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on, again, I had two things on my heart this week. I want to focus on the second concept that I felt God place on my heart, and that is that we are the church, and we need each other. We are the church, and we need each other. So the tie-in to me now is clear between we are the church and that we need each other and the outpouring within us because a constant trickling stream can sustain life indefinitely a constant strict, tri- uh, a constant trickling stream can sustain life indefinitely what do i mean by that well if you have a constant dripping of water it can sustain a tree but it can't sustain a forest a constant trickling stream can sustain life indefinitely but many streams together become an unstoppable river now when god put that on my heart this morning i like i'd like pause and just pray for a minute let me say that again many streams together that's us can become an unstoppable river that's the difference that's the impact that we can have on the world around us. Yes, God can use us as individuals, but when we come together, we become something powerful. We become not just ankle-deep, not knee-deep. We become, you can go swimming in that river. There's so much outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and there's so much potential in this room right now. Collectively, we have an unstoppable power right at our hands because we're all being filled with the Holy Spirit we're all growing in this we're all being filled up and yeah we can direct that to a tree but together we can supply a forest together we can be a force that goes and brings life in dying places like we saw in the image in Ezekiel God is at work in us. And he's working through us as individuals. God is a personal God. I don't want to diminish that. That is so important that we understand that. But I feel like in our culture today, that's not the hard part for us to understand. That God loves me as an individual. That's important. But it's not the whole picture, is it? We also are called to be a part of the body of Christ. Of the church. To be a river where we are. In our communities, in our cities where we are. What is Romans? Let's look at this body image. It's Romans 12, three through five. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. That's the truth. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. What a great image. This is who we are called to be. We need each other. My hand needs my arm. My arm needs my shoulder. And so on and so forth. We need each other. Let's take this outpouring, this rising up of living water within us and collectively use it for the will of God in this city. Let's see our potential reached. Alone we can do great things. But I believe together we can transform a city, a nation from death to life like a river in a desert by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And we each fit into this plan in our own way. Each of us has been given the portion for them. But together, it doesn't matter if you have a little or if you have a lot. In a river, you can't tell. <laughs> we become a collective We become united. And right now, I believe, again, in this room, there is so much potential to be a powerful force right here in Freiburg, in this city. We're designed to be more than individuals. We're designed to be united, to need one another. I'm reminded of the image also of Christ's saying that he is the vine. In John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We always have to keep that in mind. Jesus is the vine that we've been grafted into. And apart from him, we're just a dead, dried out branch. There is no hope without being connected to Christ and that personal relationship to him. I, as a branch, am personally connected to to the vine, to Christ. But we're all branches. We're all branches on that same vine. We're connected. This is what the church is, that we're all together, united by Christ. We're united in that we belong to him. As we read earlier, we were paid for with a price. We belong to Christ and we're united in that. We're united in that we all seek after him. This is not something that divides us into personal, individual bubbles. It's what unites us together. We seek him. We love him. We want him. We want to honor him in our lives. We want to know him more, more deeply. And we look forward together to his return. Finally, we're united in our driven purpose to see his kingdom here on this earth, here in this city, here in your workplace, here in your classroom. And we're united in this. And this is where our power becomes evident is when we do things together, when we pray together. Your prayer life, when you pray together with other believers, not only you see a collective of power of the Holy Spirit, but also it strengthens your private prayer life. We pray together. We serve in this community together. We want to seek to make a difference. We want Freiburg to be better off for us being here. And we are united in our collective faith in Jesus Christ. Something I found interesting, and I don't know if this is true of all grapevines, I'm not an expert, but I have my own grapevines in the garden, and I tend them, and I noticed uh, they're really full with fruit right now. It's a great time. Delicious grapes just hanging. And I noticed that right before they really, the grapes start to get full, they put out a lot more of these grabbers to cling on to things and so t- together the vines are all also connected to one another at least in my garden again i don't know if that's true of all vines works for the analogy though because if they're not strong together the fruit will weigh will bring them down and they ultimately get of course their strength from the vine itself We need both. We need to be connected to the vine, but we also need each other. To bear good fruit, full fruit in our lives, we need to be connected to the vine. As said, apart from a relationship with Him, there is no life, there is nothing, no streams, no fruit. But we also need each other. Last week, Sam talked about the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your mind heart, soul, strength. But the second, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he puts both of these together. And what is he really saying? He's saying, you need to love each other. Because you need each other. He says to the disciples, he gives them the command, hey, love one another. This was important because this is the same group of guys that argued about who gets to sit by jesus in heaven like come on jesus like that's not that's not what it's about it's not about you versus them you are together you need each other love one another and so in closing keep in mind that we are united on our journey we all have our walk with the lord we all have our calling. We all have our purpose that God has placed on us. We know that God is working out our salvation. We know that he is working out uh, all things for good. He is going to finish the work that he began in us. Those are good things for our heart. But also remember that everyone in this room, all of us that believe on Christ, we're in this journey and united in that together in our pursuit of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, this is the main goal to remember that we are united in our pursuit of Jesus Christ. This is why we take communion together, why we, have, why we come together and pray together and uh, sing songs together to worship him, to seek him, to love on him together because it unites us and it strengthens us for what God might be calling us into next. And that's important. The full potential of our calling And our service of the Lord, I believe, though, cannot be reached as a solo mission. No matter how strong you think you are, no matter how mighty you think you are. Jesus didn't even send the disciples out by themselves. He sent them always by two. We're not meant to wear everything on our own shoulders. We need to come alongside one another. We need to be united to one with one another. We need to strengthen one another because that's the beginning. The beginning is our seeking of the Lord and our unity in that. This is what fills us and empowers us so that we can reach that potential. We can become more than a bunch of streams, but become a river that pours into a dead sea and brings life to it. We, the church, are God's representatives. To this world. And the point is is that life-giving streams that flow into us that bring us joy in the midst of trials, that bring us peace when we're downtrodden. This wonderful thing that we have it's not meant for just us alone. That's why it constantly comes, we're constantly being filled by it. It's not meant for us alone. We are God's representatives to this world. And that pouring out that started at the temple. In Ezekiel's vision, that starts in our hearts, that is collected here together as we're united in Christ, that is meant to be poured out into the world. That is meant to be poured out into our communities. And so we need to find ways to make that happen because that is the point of the filling of the Holy Spirit within us. And it starts with our love of the Lord, our drawing ever closer to him and our connection to him and the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And through this, this living water that is poured out in us is going to be poured out of us. This is when we see good fruit, when we see the streams of living water. I'll invite the band to come back up. Let's seek to be that unstoppable river. That river that cannot be crossed, that you can dive into. And I want to encourage you right now that this, what we're about to do, is a practical way that that happens. We're going to worship God together. This strengthens our unity together. This empowers us. This prepares us. It's not about harmonizing or singing in unison. I sing horribly, so that's why I sit all the way up here at the front where no one sits. I know, I know, Giannis. <laughs> I know you can hear me. To worship together prepares us for mightier works that God wants to do through us. This week, maybe. So I want to invite you guys to stand Let's worship God united in Christ for what his purpose for us, for this service is. This is from Ephesians chapter 6. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Lord, we need you in our lives. We want to seek you. We want to see an incorruptible, unmovable, ever-increasing love flowing from within us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Increase our love, Lord. Increase our love for you, our devotion to you, and our love and reminder of our need of one another. Produce in us good fruit, streams of living water to flow out, and to bring life all around us. Lord, it is in your holy name, Jesus Christ, and for your glory that we ask these things. Amen.